Well, God is good. All the time. Amen. Uh, I'd like to uh, share a message this morning on a subject that a brother came up to me and handed me a book, and he said he'd like for me to read the book, and maybe it will inspire some uh, messages from that reading that book. And not only did it inspire, but it really, it really uh, spoke to me in, in, in ways that the Lord hasn't spoken to me in quite a while. It's a tremendous book. So I'm going to read. I'm going to preach, uh, not just from that book, but it's one that has inspired me. And, and along with that, I would like to say, uh, you know, sometimes the pastors have a hard time just knowing what to preach or, or what to use for a Sunday morning. So I would just like to encourage the congregation. Sometimes. It's nice when a person just comes up or someone comes up and says that we'd like to hear a message on this subject or that subject. Or just encourage you to, to preach on this. That would be so encouraging for the pastor. You know, sometimes it takes a while for us to really get to know what we want to preach on, you know, and, and what we should preach. So your help would be greatly appreciated. So, this morning I would like to turn to Luke. And the book that I got was on the parables. And I'm not sure whether this is really a parable. But uh, he doesn't really say that in, in the chapter. Luke chapter 7 is the one that I'd like to uh, speak from. <coughs> it kind of had a little bit of a rough weekend. It was cold, or not weekend, I should say, but week. The last half of the week, it was, it was really cold, and especially if you were out in it. And also, if you were driving, like Paul was saying, that was really nasty. And uh, our son, Micah, he, he thought about calling me and uh, Thursday morning I left with a, I was supposed to leave with a trailer to go to, uh, take it to Ohio. Well, when I got to where I was supposed to pick up the trailer, it wasn't there. And so I had to go to Goshen at the plant and pick it up there, which took some time. And then I headed on out on 30 and going down from, from Goshen down to uh, Warsaw and on to Fort Wayne. I don't know. I think it took me a lot longer than it should have because I couldn't drive that fast. The roads were terrible. I'd other, I met another man in in uh, in Syracuse when I went to pick up the unit there and he said he, he told me he's a shuttle driver so he delivers the units to the place where we pick them up 
And uh, then he said he's also going to take a trailer. And he told me that he's taking it to Ohio to the very same place that I was going. So I said, well, good. Maybe we can kind of travel together and, and kind of help each other. So he said, yeah, that, that'd be great. But we never saw each other after that. So I don't know when I went to pick up my unit and where he went, I don't know. Never saw him after that. So I went through Fort Wayne and on out on 30, came into Ohio, <coughs> passed the first way station there, and after I passed that, I came up on, the, the roads were, were bad, and it was windy, and I came up to a place where, where the wind was really blowing, uh, coming from the south, and, and it was, it was bad, and when I went through this certain place, the road was icy, and the wind hit the trailer. So this trailer started going like this and lost control of the truck. I thought, this is sure going to be an accident. And uh, there was nothing I could do. You know, I just cried out. I said, Lord, help me. And just like that, the thing went straight. Uh, I feel like his angels came down and just kept the thing in, in control. It was, a, it was a miracle, to say the least. It, I mean, it was a powerful uh, miracle. And those trailers, when, hit, when the wind hits those things, they can really sway back and forth, you know. And that's why they tell you that if you're driving and the, the flag uh, blows straight out, it's time to stop. It's too windy to have a trailer on, on the road. Well, obviously, there were a lot of... Uh, Accidents on 94 up towards Chicago. And there was one place where a truck was uh, hauling fireworks in, in the bed, in the truck trailer. And they had an accident, and somehow these fireworks got started, and they started blowing off, you know. And I guess there was just a, a lot of noise. The fireworks were going every which direction. And... Uh, I, my trip scared me to say the least, you know. So I said, I'm not, I'm not going. I'm turning around and going back. So I called up the place in Ohio where I was supposed to take the, the trailer to, and, and that was down on 70, going uh, east. And uh, the guy told me that that, uh, that was about 9 o'clock or 9.30 in the morning. And I want to find out how long they're open. And he said, they're open till 4 o'clock. But he said, you do not want to come down here with a trailer. We are under an alert number one on 70. It is almost closed. It is so windy here. He said, you do not want to come. I said, okay, that's fine. Can I bring it down Monday? And he said, yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. So we'll see what the weather is by then. But it was a good experience for me, you know. I know enough to stay off of the road when it gets windy. So, you know, that made me a little nervous. And then, you know, you get a little nervous when it's your t turn to preach. And, uh, you know, I could always come up with, uh, I thought about it, and, and my wife said, well, Lamar's here, you know, ask him to preach. And I know how that is. When we go up to Minnesota, 
they, they almost make you feel like you're part of the church there. And when you come there, you, you're supposed to preach, you know. Well, I, I like to go to a church where I don't have to preach. I like to listen to other people preach, and I think Lamar does the same thing. I didn't ask him, but... but uh, I just think it would be the same way. Then another, uh, another person experienced that that I've heard was that uh, people, some people get up and say, oh, well, you know, I can't preach like the other preachers. You know, everybody else can do it better than I can and, and things like that. And so someone said once when a preacher was doing it, he said, yeah, we know that, but we wanted you to preach, you know. And I guess that really humbled him too when the people said that. Uh, we know that you can't preach very good, so... I'm not going to say that I can't do it as good as the others for fear that you'll say that you know that. <laughs> okay, Luke 7, I would like to uh, turn to this passage and, and uh, try to get some inspiration out, out here that is going to be an inspiration to you. It has, it has really uh, spoken to to uh, my heart. And the first part of it is when Jesus was coming along and talking to the people. So I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but I am going to read quite a bit here in this particular passage. Uh, let's, uh, maybe we'll start at verse 19. And John called unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come? Or look we for another. When the men were come unto him, and they said, They said, John the Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answered and said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things you have seen. And heard how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. What went ye out for? What went you out into the wilderness for to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see, a man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in king's courts. But what went ye out for to see, a prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I sent my messenger before thy face, which shall, pre which shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves being not baptized of him. And the Lord said, whereunto, the, whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation, and to what are they like? They are like unto children sitting in the marketplace, and calling one to another, and saying, 
we have piped unto you, and you have not danced. In other words, there was a wedding, and we played the music, and you have not danced. We have mourned to you, and you have not wept. In other words, they mourned at a funeral. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and ye say he hath a devil. The Son of Man is come eating and drinking, and ye say, Behold, a gluttonous man, and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of all her children. And one of the Pharisees, desiring him that he would eat with him, he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. Now, in this Pharisee's house that they went to, he invited Jesus to come to the house. And when they went to this house, Simon's, or the Pharisee's house, they kind of, I'm not sure how to say that they sat around the table, but they kind of leaned on one elbow and, and their feet were sticking out behind them. And uh, they were in Simon's house. Simon invited them to come and eat meat. But Simon was a different kind of a person. Simon was a Pharisee. And a Pharisee is a person that tries to do a lot of good things to earn or merit salvation or, or merit his uh, uh, part in the kingdom of God. So the Pharisees are very strong in what they believe and, and what they hold to. And some of the things they would not touch because they wouldn't touch a dead body or they wouldn't do this or they wouldn't do that because it's going to defile them. And they did nothing like, like uh, some of the other people did. So the, uh, Jesus went there to eat or to have a meal with this man. And uh, verse 37, it says, And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. Now, this was a Pharisee that is saying this. This woman was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now, I, we, are, we can assume that this lady, it says that she was a great sinner. And I believe that she was a great sinner in the eyes of a Pharisee. Now, what this great sinner means, I don't know what kind of a woman she was. Maybe she was a prostitute. And she came into this same house, she heard that Jesus was going to be in this house, and when, when in those times when someone had a dinner, people that were not invited were allow, allowed to come to this house and sit on the outside around the, the guests that were invited. And they were allowed to eat the food that the guests did not eat. So this woman heard that Jesus was going to be in this particular house, and so she decided to go. And I believe it seems like this woman had contact with Jesus before she ever came to the house where Jesus was. This Pharisee may have 
had different reasons for inviting Jesus. Maybe the Pharisee there thought that Jesus was, uh, he was kind of a strange person here, and he's saying that he is someone that he just doesn't know. And the Pharisees were trying to come up with some points against Jesus. So he decided, well, I'm going to invite Jesus into my house, and I'm going to see if what the people are saying about this Jesus is really correct. So he invited Jesus with the intention of seeing who the, this Jesus really is. He had heard some things, and the Pharisees were trying to do certain things because they wanted to catch Jesus, and they wanted to crucify him. They wanted to get rid of this miracle worker, this great man that came around. They were going to catch him in his words, in his actions, and they were calling him a wine-bibber and, and everything else that they wanted to uh, they, they called Jesus that name. So as they were there, this woman came in, and she was a great sinner. This woman was a great sinner. Now, most people, when a great sinner comes along, they will kind of shy back and not have anything. They don't even want to touch a woman that is a prostitute because there's a lot of people that feel that they will be defiled by touching this woman. And it's that way with a lot of things. People that, want, that are self-righteous do not want to get close to people that are sinners because they feel that they'll be defiled by connecting with a sinner. So this woman comes in there, and she, begins, she was overtaken with, with some kind of excitement in her life, and she began to weep. And according to these words, what they mean is she, she really began to weep when she was sitting behind Jesus. And her tears flowed down and dropped upon the feet of Jesus. And right then, she took her hair loose. And for a woman to loosen her hair and let them hang in the sight of other people was not allowed. Was not allowed. A woman could not do that without losing really a lot of respect. She was not supposed to take her hair down in public. So this Simon, he was sitting there and watching all these things. And he began to think, what? If Jesus were really a prophet, he would know, he would have this intuition or this spiritual leading that this woman is a great sinner. If he were a prophet of God, he would know what this woman is. That she is a bad person. Really bad. We can't allow this kind of thing to go on in this house. It's shameful what this woman is doing. She is, everybody knows her in town. Everybody knows that this is a bad woman. And here she comes in there and she acts like this. It's unreal. It's uncalled for. He really had something to tell the other Pharisees. And so, now when the Pharisee, in verse 29, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of this of woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. I, there's going to be a few things shared upon, upon this as to uh, what we say when we see a sinner and, and a bad one at that. I know that when we first moved to 
Indiana, there were two Amish men that lived over there on Beach Road, right around the corner. I think it's where one of David Miller's daughters lives right now. I think they had a house somewhere around there. And they lived in this house, and they were drunkards. They went to the Amish church. I talked to him numerous times, but you couldn't talk any kind of sense in them. I don't know why, but they continued to be members there until their death. But they were drunkards, and everybody knew that they were drunks. I had to think of that as I read this. They never repented of their life that, that I know of. Now, they may. I don't know everything. Not pretending to know everything. But this man, this, this, uh, this Pharisee, he thought it couldn't be that Jesus connects himself with these bad people. Bad people. And when we look at a, a parable, what does a parable have to tell us? Why does Jesus speak in parables? He said unto the disciples, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but unto the rest of the people I speak in parables. You know what a parable does? Can anybody give me an idea? What's a parable for? Why does Jesus speak in parables to people? What? Okay. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's true. It's a window into truth or as to how to look at ourselves. A parable is given. Verse 40, And Jesus answering said unto Simon, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. Now, this Pharisee's name was Simon. He said, Simon, I have something to say unto you. When I came into this house, he said, and then Simon said, well, yeah, master, say on. Say what you want to say. And then Jesus went on to say that there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly or freely or graciously forgave them. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? And I could just see Simon around. He's, well, uh, uh, yeah, uh, well, uh, you know, uh, I, I think probably the one that was forgiven the most. And Jesus said, you have answered correctly. The one that was forgiven the most will love the most. Jesus said in verse 43, B, thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, now, how would it be if I would be looking at, at Gladys, but I'd be talking to James? And I'm not saying that they're the same as what this is, but that's the way that Jesus was. He was talking to Simon, but he was talking about the woman. And he, Simon, he said, 
in uh, relation to this, he said, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thy house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. Now, it was a custom that whenever somebody came from a journey, and especially if they preached in the synagogue, you could invite those people home and treat them with the best hospitality that you can possibly give. So Jesus said, I entered into your house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. It was customary at that time for people to kiss the person on the cheek that was coming as a stranger. But this woman, since the time that I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint. In other words, Simon was a bad person in showing hospitality. He didn't want to show hospitality to Jesus. What he wanted was to test him, to to prove him guilty, to prove that he, he was not doing the right thing. But this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loveth much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said to her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins? Well, they thought that God was the only one that can forgive sins. And that is true. But it was through the offering and sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ that sins are forgiven. And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Now, it is true that you can tell a person by the company that he keeps. Usually. By the company that he keeps, you can kind of tell who he is. Tax collectors were often Gentiles, and they were unclean. So at that time, the people, the, the, the Pharisees did not like the tax collectors because they were usually Gentiles, and the Gentile was dirty, very dirty. He was filthy. They could not touch Gentile people. But Jesus said to this woman that was a sinner, thy sins, which are many, are forgiven. And he's talked about the, the two creditors. When they came to him and asked how much money they owe, and and he told them, then this man said he graciously forgave their sins. He cleared the debt. He wasn't one that said, now wait a minute, we'll sit down here and we'll try to work this thing out. If you pay me $50 a month, you know, within so many months or years, this whole thing is going to be taken care of. But he said he freely or frankly forgave them, showing us that when Jesus forgives our sins, he does it completely, right away, no ifs or ands or buts about it. 
as soon as we ask for forgiveness, God in Jesus Christ comes along and takes care of it. Now this man, Simon, he was, he considered himself to be a small sinner, but this woman was a great sinner. Now is there a difference between a small sinner and a big sinner? No, there isn't, because it took the same blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us from small sins as it does people with big sins. The same punishment, the same debt was paid, freely forgiven. Go in peace. Marvelous words. Now, how often do we act just like Simon? We are maybe a little self-righteous, and we feel like we're just a little bit better than someone else. Because we feel like, you know, some, some sins that people do in the flesh are really bad. They are bad. This person, they, they committed adultery. They done all kinds of, of uh, bad things in life, and they are bad people. They are really big sinners. And they forget that Jesus comes along, and he says that the sins of the spirit are just as bad as the sins of the flesh. Now, how many of us do sit around and with pride we say, I'm glad I'm not like the other person. I want nothing to do with him or her because of the life that she lived or the life that he lived, the sins of the flesh. But we let it go with the sins of the spirit, pride. Being jealous. Let anger overtake us. Sins of the spirit. And we think nothing of them. We think we are small sinners, but some of these other people are huge sinners. But it took just as much blood to cleanse small sins as it did to cleanse big sins. But we make a difference. We are too much like the Pharisee. If Jesus would have known who this person is, he is so guilty, he is so wrong, and so sinful, but I do not want to contaminate myself with going to his house. Oh no, I'm too good for that. Pride sticking out so bad, it's sinful. But we think, well, it doesn't matter. You know, God, if, if I just do little things, just little things, if Jesus says, thou shall not, you know, I can, I can, disobey a little bit. God is so gracious that he'll overlook my little bit of sin. Willie? Willie? I don't think so. I don't think God overlooks any of our sins. They all have to be dealt with, forgiven, graciously taken away, and he does that. God is so mighty and so gracious that he forgives all of our sins, not just part of our sins. Sometimes we think it's not so important to confess everything. You know, we've done something wrong, but it'll be all right. It'll all come out in the wash. No, it won't. It won't come out. If you don't take care of it, it will not come out. It'll be held against you on the judgment day. If you're not free and go in peace, you're a guilty person before God. A guilty person. And you know what? We do not want to face God like that. 
If God says that he would freely forgive us, freely, this, this, these two debtors and the banker here, he freely forgave them. And he had to give a tremendous gift so that these people could be free. No longer in debt. They're free. And oh, what a peace. What a joy comes over our life when we confess everything are open with God. We, could tell, we, we tell him everything about ourselves. We hide nothing from God. We might as well because he knows it. That's whether we're hiding something, whether we don't tell the truth. He know, God knows everything about us, everything about us. And that's not just here at this church. It's in every church. It's in all people. God, in his greatness, knows everything. We're not going to hide we cannot hide. The only thing that makes us free is the blood of Jesus Christ. Receiving Jesus as our Savior and living therein. Sure, we can't walk around and say that we're perfect because we still live in the flesh. But we can be open to God when we do something wrong, we will make it right. We don't live with wrong things in our life. We live victoriously through the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And at times we want nothing to do with certain people because they're too bad. How do you think God looks at that? We would never do what that person has done. This woman came and she poured all her love upon Jesus. She didn't care what others were thinking, what others thought. She didn't care. She was redeemed. She was forgiven of her sin. And she came and she poured this whole life out on Jesus. And then, you know what, what Jesus really likes? is when he can be worshipped. Jesus enjoys to be worshipped. He enjoys to get praise and honor and glory from his people. And sometimes we are so ashamed. We should never be ashamed to brag on the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done in my life. Never be ashamed of that. If we are ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of us. Another thing that, that this parable, I guess, would be teaching us that we should never take things for granted. Sometimes, Mennonite people, or I shouldn't say just Mennonite people, but s sometimes we take things for granted and we think that everybody owes us something. We are special people, and, and, and people owe us hospitality. or owe us good things in life. Nobody owes you anything. But the thing is, when Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you'll be transformed into a loving person. Loving is just a natural, or spiritual, I guess, outcome 
of your devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is expressed in love to other people. That's how people can tell that you're really a Christian when you love without any reservations. They don't treat me like that, so I'm not going to treat them like that either. Uh-uh. That's a no-no in the Christian's vocabulary. Never expect that people owe you something. Nobody owes you anything. You owe it. I owe it to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's going to be expressed in my love to one another. We don't demand anything from anyone. We don't have to do anything. It's a want-to. Whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude makes a big difference. Can we be thankful for the things that happen to us? They may not be the best things that happen to us, but if we're thankful, the Lord can just change that whole thing into a glorious experience. Unthankful people, now get this, unthankful people are almost always unhappy people. Unthankful people are almost always unhappy people. Thankfulness is the prime indicator of our relationship with God. When gratitude is lacking, grace has not been received or not understood. If the spring doesn't bubble, the problem may lie at its source. Living water springing up into everlasting life. So if it's, not, if it's not really working right, check the source. Check out the problem. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. Wow. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Freely you have received, freely give. Thy sins are forgiven you, Go in peace. The most people, the most peaceful people upon the face of the earth are those that have their sins forgiven. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. Okay, I think I'll quit with this. May the Lord continue us, continue to bless us. He said unto this woman, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loveth much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven thee. And that doesn't mean that just some of them were forgiven. But I think he included everything that she has ever done. They are forgiven. She's free. Free person. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins only also? 
And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. May the Lord bless us as we continue to serve the Lord. Don't be ashamed of your call in relation to salvation and the things of God. Shall we pray? And then after prayer, I'm going to ask Laverne to come forward and close. Our Father, we